0: Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Kairos Partnerships. Bob, we're back in the saddle, man.
1: <laughs> I, I love that metaphor because neither of us actually is sitting in a saddle. But yes, yes, we are back. Good to be back.
0: Maybe it's better to say we're back behind the microphone. That's. that's I think I'm going to go that way from here on that's out. That's it. We're, yep. we're behind the mic. We're behind the mic. How are you, Doug? Bringing it fresh. I'm doing good, man. I think uh, I I feel like the full pressure of the fall has come in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. nice to be busy again. It's uh, maybe busy is not the word. It's nice to be full again, and it feels like there's just some good momentum going within the church world of of renew and and what I'm doing, and even within coaching and spiritual direction. It's it just feels like we're kind of I'm kind of back and in healthy rhythms, other than the this summer which feels like there's not a lot of rhythms. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Okay. All right. See, my experience is a little bit I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I've I've always said that the the greatest time in a person's life is that time in between when they get a job and when they have to start doing a job. There's no better feeling in the world. And That's true. summer like spring and summer is that time when you're like, Oh yeah, let's do this in the fall and let's do this in the fall. And you stack up all these commitments and summer feels good because like, you know, you've got stuff to do later, but you don't have to do it yet. And now I find myself here in the fall, in the midst of it going, why did I say yes? (laughs) Yes. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. I have to start doing the job. Oh. Anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I hear that. I do feel like there have been I, I last year especially coming off of sabbatical uh having a another ablation on my heart and then trying to figure out a lot of the new rhythms of being able to be in a building again. You know, my, my co-pastor Ben found a building while I was on sabbatical, which was such a gift, but maybe it's because this year it's, we don't have the big questions of like, well, where are we going to meet? What are we going to do? What's Mm going to happen? And it's just different, but I I do hear you. There is the, I did find that the other day when I was looking over some things and I just said, I knew five months ago, we thought this was an awesome idea. (laughs) But right now, and I did a lot of work on this all summer, but it still feels like maybe this isn't the best idea. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I think not know. All. I think well, we what all do have I do that. With that. But I'm really glad we get a chance to jump into season eight. We've got some, yeah, we already have, we've got some great interviews lined up this year. Some, some fantastic thought leaders, some, some unbelievable pastors. Um, I think, I think we're in for a really good season.
1: Yeah. and I. I I got to be with you on most of those, but you did one with Jim Cimbala, uh mm-hmm. without me this summer. What was that like? How was that?
0: Oh, oh man. Well, um, I will tell you one of the books when I was growing up as a young pastor that I read that really shaped my life was fresh wind, fresh mm, fire. That's the one he's known for. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. And, 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 it was really cool for me to have an opportunity to talk with someone who's been doing ministry in like, he's been doing the prayer ministry, the worship ministry, the, just what it looks like to be an advocate in your community for years before it was what, what most pastors sort of ascribe Mm. to. Um, And so I felt like I just took a ton of notes as I had a chance to just listen and his encouragement, um, which is probably not the right way to do an interview. I think. I was more like, just tell me some more stories. And so for me, I think what's really encouraging is uh he came out with a new book called Fan into Flame. And it's just a it's it's kind of like I feel like he was a healthy voice in the sense where a lot of folks have really been rightfully so helping us, helping pastors and ministers and people in church leadership or any leadership context recognize how difficult it's been. Hmm. But I think Jim kind of brought a different angle of. Okay, it is hard, but we have a calling to get about. Hmm. And so let me encourage you in what God has called you to do. And so I don't know. It, it, I mean, it just felt like such an important conversation to have. Um, and I, I don't feel like it negated the hard stuff at all, but I think it also just reminded me like, yeah, I'm a pastor and here's what I'm called to. And we are called to do hard things. And sometimes those hard things mean that we've got to, we have to kind of buckle down and get back to some of the very simple things that we started with. And so, yeah, it was really, really encouraging. Um, and apparently he, he did say, if I ever come up, he's taking me out to cheesecake <laughs> and there's one, there's one right down the street that he said is phenomenal. Now, so I'm, I'm going to have to do that. He's in
1: New York, right? Did Does he get, does he, he have is. that wonderful New York accent and attitude?
0: Yes, absolutely. Like, if if you've never hung around someone from New York and you listen to this podcast, you will experience what it's like to be around a New Yorker, which was just such a gift and, and really, really cool.
1: Yeah, it's funny because it's it's there is there is kind of a of a of an accent that mid-Atlantic kind of New York thing. But really, it's more the attitude. It's more like the mm-hmm.
0: it. it it, like New York shapes people in a different way <laughs> than living in yes. a lot of other places. So I, I really enjoyed it. I think for us coming into the fall, this is a really important and an encouragement to pastors and leaders who are just saying, okay, we're, we're, we're buckling in, we're getting, getting back on this ride and God's been doing a lot of healing work and there's still work to do. And mm-hmm. so how do, we, how do we jump in? How do we get started? So yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, I, I think... I feel like there's a lot of good things to glean from this conversation. All right. I
1: look forward to hearing it.
0: Our guest today is Pastor Jim Simbola. He was born in Brooklyn, New York, where he enjoyed a successful basketball career in high school and then in college. He graduated from the University of Rhode Island and entered into the business world right after he married his childhood sweetheart, Carol. Although unforeseen by them, it wasn't long before God called them into ministry. Uh, Jim has pastored the Brooklyn Tabernacle for many, many years now, and many of you have heard some of his books or read some of his books, have heard him talk, and have been blessed by the ministry that he has over the years. Um... Pastor Jim is the author of several books, including Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, which was named Christian Book of the Year. He also has done a number of video series on prayer and other important topics for the Christian church. His wife, Carol, directs the six-time Grammy Award-winning Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, whose music has blessed people around the world. We're really grateful to have Pastor Jim Simbla with us today. Pastor Jim Simbla, it is an honor to have you on with us today. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: No, thank you for having me. It's it's my joy and privilege.
0: So uh, many, many of us, many of our listeners uh, have read your books, have spent time with you, but I would are uh, with your books and listen to teachings and are familiar with Brooklyn Tabernacle. But could you tell us a bit about your story and and your calling?
2: Oh, that's a long, uh, uh, arduous task, but I'll, I'll summarize it. Um, I grew up in downtown Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, I should say, not downtown. My dad was an alcoholic um, uh, growing up, so my home life was really tough. Um, he lost his job and whatnot. I became a fairly proficient all-city basketball player and went to college on a basketball scholarship. Then married my uh, sweetheart, and uh, who was a pastor's daughter, and was in the business world when God, through a side door, um, called me into the ministry that's a long story. We ended up in downtown Brooklyn in a rundown building that nobody wanted to go to, including myself. And I was the pastor, which is never never a good sign. And um, uh, no crack then. Uh, We've been here decades, but a lot of heroin, alcoholism, gangs, rundown neighborhood, broken down building, less than 20 people on Sunday morning. And the first collection we took uh the quote tithes and offerings were uh was uh, $85. So we both got second job uh because I had a daughter already and we're trying to figure out how does this all work. My sermons were so bad people were converting to other religions while I was <laughs> And that's not a good sign too. Um, but you know you just plow ahead. You can't curse the darkness. You gotta light a candle made a ton of mistakes but learned on the move and my wife's won six grammy awards although she's never been trained musically she can't read or write music uh but god has really blessed her and we've been in a number of locations and now we're in a historic theater in downtown brooklyn uh, uh that was built 1918 famous theater seating almost 4,000, and we meet here twice on Sundays, a Tuesday night prayer meeting. And this coming Sunday, we're going to baptize 40 more people. And the beat goes on. And it's a different Brooklyn than I was born and raised in. Uh, I was away 16 months during the pandemic, trapped in Florida. Everything shut down here. And now this is really Dodge City and uh, crazy and and uh, dangerous and much more violent. and. Uh, uh, but uh, you don't curse the darkness; you light a candle, and we're doing what we feel God called us to do.
0: Mm. Thank you so much for sharing the context of it all, and I love that statement: "We don't curse the darkness; we light a candle." That's that's brilliant. So you you've had you your candle in ministry has been lit uh, for for over fifty years, and I I just wanted to pause and say, "Yay, God! Congratulations!" Um, that's no small task, especially when. Uh Even reading through your your newest book, which we'll talk about very, very soon, but fan, fan the flame, the idea of so many pastors are leaving ministry like in droves right now. I mean, it have been for a while, but it seems like the tiny leak has become a, a pretty serious check engine light. Um, how have you stayed in uh, in ministry for fifty years? What has kept you healthy? What's kept you motivated and in it?
2: Well, I started when I was seven years old. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, <laughs> been been doing this, yeah, for decades, right around 50 years. And it's always fresh and it's always new. For example, last night, we had a something we do maybe once a year, but I think we need to do it more. We had counseling night. And we say to people, the congregation and the services, without even calling to make an appointment, if you just come on Thursday... At 6 p.m., we're going to stay with you for how long? You'll be seated. And through the vast auditorium, we'll have nine stations where pastors or deacons and their wives will counsel you. So you just mm. come. So I go and ended up in the front row at 6 o'clock with some other people there ready to help me and pray, and my assistant, Nina, who was going to take notes uh, for follow-up. And I saw six people right in a row for over two hours. And if you heard their stories and saw what they were facing, one woman in particular, 70 years old, she'd be in nobody's target group, which is the despicable thing about target groups and trying to get hip congregation. 70 years old, staying in an institution for uh, mental problems and and abuse, substance abuse problems, been there, wanted to get counseled. Loves the Lord, been serving the Lord for about eight years now. Sweetest lady, uh, Maureen, uh, I think her name was, uh, no, Lauren. And she she been sexually abused from two and a half by her father till she was 18. Her mother was not well. And she wants to get counsel because they're making so much noise around her room there. They all have like little studio apartments at this facility. She has trouble sleeping. So, Pastor, what 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 could I do? Uh, but I can't go too far if you move me because I have a brother who's really troubled mentally. He's in an, another institution, and I can't l- be away from him too far. And uh, so, Lauren, how long does it take you to get to church? She had a cane as she was brought up to me, uh, which we put under her chair. And, uh, oh, it takes an hour, 45 minutes. Each way, but maybe you could help me get accessorized. So everyone around me broke down, weeping while she was talking, but just matter of factly, including me. So the honor, the privilege of being someone who representing Jesus, we could try to do good and help this precious soul. How could that not make you go to bed Mm -hmm. so happy and fulfilled? And we're surrounded by more and more of that. So as long as I have energy and God gives me strength, I live with really basically uh, inadequate inadequacy and, and um, inferiority sense because I feel like I've done so little given the mission field where God has, has put us. So every day is just like I have the Bible, I have the help of the Holy Spirit, I got people all around me needing help every Sunday, who knows what could happen. And it's
0: exciting. Mm, amen. Well, it's interesting because one of the things that I really appreciate about your book is you, you had these, the three Ps of ministry. You said preach, pray, and plot. And I would love for you to talk about all three of those. But specifically, I feel like even what I'm hearing you say now is really connected to that idea of just plotting, like continuing to move forward. Can you talk a bit about the Ps?
2: Okay. Well, I, I heard that from maybe it was Warren Wiersbe, my late friend, a well-known. Mm expositor so preaching is obviously we're called to declare the gospel that's found in the New Testament not uh some new gospel if it's new it's not true and if it's true it's not new uh the gospel that Paul and Peter, Peter preached that we see in the book of Acts repentance of sin faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation through what Christ did on the cross that's our our message and you have to faithfully preach that and not be sidetracked into alterations to that message. You know, many people have added stuff to the message, which makes it another gospel, or taken away by not mentioning sin. That'll rattle someone's cage. They might not come back next week. That would be the worst possible scenario, which is all foolishness. So we got to preach, and you got to pray, because the Holy Spirit anointing, which we need, otherwise we're not going to have uh, 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 much success for for the sake of Christ and build up the kingdom. It comes through time was spent with God, through prayer and waiting on God. Paul said, my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words. I know of no seminary that believes in that. They're trying (laughs) to make you wise and persuasive. But he said his preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That definition of preaching and ministry has, I think, almost been entirely lost. Mm. We've been overwhelmed by clever communicators, skinny jeans and a fog machine, which is not cutting uh, and making a dent uh, in the culture. It, the culture has evangelized the church rather than the church, evan, uh, church evangelizing the culture. So we have to preach, we have to pray so that the Holy Spirit will attend our work. Sound doctrine is not enough. We need that touch of God on it. But you got to applaud in the sense that there's discouragement. Read First read and Second Corinthians, especially 2 Corinthians, see what Paul went through in his ministry. How can any of us complain? Who of us spent two nights in the ocean? You know, who of us got beat and put in jail? And yet he never talks about burnout. Mm -hmm. Somehow he found the secret of resources from God so that he kept going day after day, plodding on, counseling people, loving, encouraging ministers, uh, uh, breaking new ground with the gospel. But that, of course, all comes uh, from Just our walk with Jesus by being with him, where he gives us the grace we need to plot. And a lot of times when you think you're doing the least, you're really doing a lot. You just don't see it. You don't feel it. You can't go by feelings. Um, some of the, you know, um, some of the times when I have felt less useful, uh, I then see a month later, wow, that happened that service when I didn't think I was quite what I should have been. You just got to keep doing it day Mm. after day, like anybody else in any other job. I was a basketball player. You got to go to practice every day. No, but I know how to play. No, but you can play better. Just keep going.
0: Mm. That's really, I think what you're getting at is so important because it it feels like there's this tension where we want to, we want to meet, we want to encourage pastors. We recognize a lot of pastors are really tired and discouraged, but we also need to remember back to why did we get into this for the first place? You know, what was it that called and thinking back to the first love and and even some of the encouragements that John writes to the, to the churches in revelation of man, you got to get back to that first love. So even thinking about, you know, a lot of pastors, you mentioned in the beginning of your book and even thinking a lot of pastors I've talked to discouragement seems to be a normal place within the life of a minister or a that's happening around them in, in many, many different places. Um, How can we be better equipped as followers of Jesus and pastors to face discouragement?
2: Well, that's the big D. You know, cancer is the big C, but for the ministry, it's the big D, discouragement. The last poll I saw, brother, uh, from two months ago, I think it was Pew Research, was 42% of all the ministers polled said they would leave the ministry tomorrow if they could just get a job with benefits to protect their family. That's a big number. That, that's 42% who admitted it. Think of all the other guys pounding the pulpit. God is on his throne and, and all of that, but secretly they're defeated. No converts, division in the church, social media, attack zones uh, against one another, the politicalization, racialization of everything. I While I was stuck in Florida for 16 months during the pandemic, I talked to countless pastors the level of discouragement uh, was palpable. It it really touched me. And listen, <laughs> Elijah got so discouraged he ran because lovely Miss Jezebel just said, "I'm going to kill you." How about that? And he ran away. And so he got discouraged. And you know we all have to deal with that. But that's where we need daily renewal. Paul said, "Look, outwardly we're 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 wasting away, but inwardly." And I speak to that in the book, "Fan the Flame." inwardly we're being renewed day by day your whole life your life my life any pastor any christian listening you only live it a day at a time yesterday is gone you can't do one thing about it mistakes or successes is gone mañana tomorrow don't know if you'll see it next week next month that's silly to even think about it worry uh about it uh, you got to do some planning, but not not worry, because you don't know if you'll see it. But today is the day. So a lot of ministers are regretting past mistakes or remembering who sabotaged them two years ago, or they're worried about what's going to happen a year from now and the budget and all of that, and they miss the only day they have, which is today. God, look, whatever God has grace for me, he only gives it on a day-by-day basis. It's not like going to gas station and filling up and you're good for three, four days. No. It's day by day. Give us this day our daily bread. So daily grace, daily wisdom, daily strength, daily power, daily insight into scripture. And that's how we can avoid and overcome discouragement. Because if you meet Jesus fresh every day by the Spirit and through his word, you you won't, you'll be excited. You won't be disturbed.
0: Mm, amen. And I think there's something really important for pastors to be reminded of that today, because there is, the, yeah, that the big, and I love how you appropriately called it the big D word. Like, that is the big word that I think all yep. of us are facing from time to time, all the time. It's just everywhere. And I, and I appreciate, too, how you actually named some of those big, uh, the, you know, the politicalization, uh, the racialization, all the different things that are just swirling around everything that, is, that, that we're trying to do and trying to accomplish. And so it's interesting because you talk about that, that being renewed daily, that day by day. How are some like real super practical ways that you find rest and renewal in, you know, thinking about in the demanding season that we've been, as past- we've been in as pastors?
2: Well, I think it starts, uh, I can speak for myself here. I don't think there's a uh, clear formula there in the scriptures for it, uh, but it starts with the word. I got to hear from God every day because the word produces faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. If I'm full of faith, I won't be discouraged because I'll be expecting great things from God and be leaning on him hard and strong. So it starts with the word. But then the word has to lead to prayer, waiting on God, meditating on his word, bringing my needs, petitions to the throne of grace where God can pour out mercy and grace. That's what we all need. And that's only dispensed at the throne of grace. Nowhere does the Bible say, come boldly to church. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. So the first calling, as I point out in Fan the Flame, that God gave to His the apostles, Jesus did, was that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and have authority over evil spirits. Uh, Mark 3, uh, verse 14. So... So the first calling was not to be a CEO, CFO, write books and this and that, travel the world, uh, build schools. It was to be with him. And when we're with him daily through his word, waiting on him. And then the other thing I find good is if you're a leader, you're always giving out. I'm preaching twice on Sunday, Tuesday night in the prayer meeting, uh, writing books, traveling a lot overseas. So you're giving out, giving out. So then the question is, who feeds me? Well, just read the Word. Well, that's not what you tell your congregants. You tell them, come to church. Don't stay at home and just read the Word. God's going to help through me or someone else to minister to you. So who ministers to the minister? So that's why, because I didn't go to seminary Bible school, I'm surrounded right while I'm talking to you by literally a couple thousand books probably. and. That library has people who I'll never meet till I see the Lord who have ministered to me. So along with, you know, uh, contemporary speakers, but I, I've been brought up, whether it's the Puritans, the, the, uh, the Methodists, uh, all kinds of different people uh, who have expositors who, who speak to me. And I, and I read it and I like have my own service, everything but an offering. I can sing to the Lord. And I listen, and I let people speak to me because they come from an angle that I don't come from, that I wouldn't see. So they enrich my life, and and then I can face the day. And and uh, but that daily renewal is a- absolutely essential. All uh, minister ministerial pitfalls and people getting into uh, problem, moral problems, and whatever, or are getting full of themselves. Uh, you know, if you're possessed by a demon, it can be cast out, as I mentioned in the book, "Fan the Flame." But if you're full of yourself, that's a whole other problem. Mm. A demon can be cast out, but self—just being fully yourself, being just egotistical to the nines—that can't happen. Though, if you've been with Jesus every day, anytime we 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 prance around and boast and make a big thing about our ministry or our church, our denomination—obviously, we haven't been with the Lord. Because when you're with the Lord, you're just like, oh, Jesus, thank you. And you just lift him up and you you glory in his his grace. So that's what I try to do. I fail at it often, but by God's grace, he renews me daily.
0: Thank you so much for that. I that's such a it just feels like um like aloe on sunburn. I appreciate that word. Um so thinking about there's two other things that I would love to just touch on briefly. And one of them is so much of what you've written out about over the years uh is this idea of reliance on the Holy Spirit. And I remember being a a very young pastor similar I I was I went to Bible college well after I uh started started chasing after Jesus. I was a pastor. I didn't know the Bible at all. Uh, It was kind of a wild, wild west for me, but I was so, I I was reading, I remember reading through the the book of Timothy and the book of Acts, first, second Timothy and Acts, and just finding this longing to be empowered by the spirit. I was thinking about, you know, the Timothy passes, you know, I've not give you spirit of timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline, and Reading about Acts, watching these, these fishermen be filled with the Spirit and run and just start doing stuff. But you've written so much about that. I can remember being a 20-some-year-old young pastor, reading Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, reading your stuff, and then just having these encounters with the Holy Spirit in a way that I never had before. And so I'm thinking about what would you say to the pastor who has this longing for for, for being empowered by the spirit, but has not yet gotten there or feels like discouraged in that or not sure where to go next?
2: Yeah and that you touch on a great thing brother because um the holy spirit there there is a prejudice against the holy spirit uh in a lot of evangelical circles there's been countless books written about god uh, the creator the eternal one the father uh and of course the most books written about jesus and rightly so but if you study church history you'll find out it pales in comparison uh, books about The person of the Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus said, It's good for you that I leave, because unless I leave to his disciples, I won't be able to send the Spirit, the helper. No one, hardly ever I meet, believes that. Better to have that invisible Spirit than physical Jesus with us. And surely the disciples didn't believe it when he said it. Like, what? You're leaving, and that's good for us? No way. No way. So, so there are prejudices, and Satan has has really, I think, done a masterful job at uh, bringing bias on both sides of the question. So you have churches that uh, are so afraid of ex- uh, ex- excesses and uh, f- emotionalism and fanaticism that they have. I listen. I've been at places. They are not just close to the Holy Spirit. I believe. I would say almost in my ju- in my discernment they're opponents of the Holy Spirit. They don't want to mention, they don't want to hear, that's emotionalism, that's ex- that's going by experience, we stand on the word. So all it turns out to be is a Bible study and then let's go out to Cracker Barrel and have dinner. And it turns to like Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons, all they can do is study doctrine, in their case, false doctrine, and that's it. They gather around that and that's how the churches are. But expecting the dynamic of the Spirit following the wind of the Spirit, seeing God rearrange things like him govern a meeting. I've often thought if he could lead the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness day by day, couldn't he get me through one Sunday service (laughs) without being crazy? No, I'm not talking about shooting from the hip and running the aisles and working up a frenzy with the organ pumping. I'm not talking about that. So that's one prejudice there. No, listen. I've got to control the meeting. See, I got this J sheet. I got this script and it's broken out. I've been there countless times, conferences. You look, uh, Pastor Jim, the introduction. Hey, Bobby, don't introduce them too long. You only have one minute, okay? Now, Pastor Jim, you have 28 minutes. And then, well, can I lead the people to prayer? No, we have a song ending. We're going out with stars and stripes forever or whatever. And that's the meeting. It ends has to end exactly then. And then we pray in in a silly way. Oh, come Holy Spirit, open the heavens and come down. How? There's no space. There's no room. The meeting's programmed. The meeting's been decided. So there's that side. Then there's the other side of not cemetery, but insane asylum, where everyone's bouncing off the wall and there's, 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 Feathers from angels who came to the meeting. God's filling up teeth with gold inlays. He can't give porcelain for some reason, so he's doing inlay work. The people are barking like dogs. They're doing weird things. Uh, Ministers ripping the people off by God. Told me every 10 people are supposed to give $10,000. And all of the excesses, not based on the word of God, not founded in scriptures, manifestations that have nothing to do With anything more new age than biblical, and then so then you have the excess there. So then people who know the Bible go, if that's the Holy Spirit, I'm out. I'm not going that way. And then people who are open to Spirit get sucked into that. And you dead old Baptist, you dead old Evangelical, you don't believe in the power of God. And and in the middle, it seems to me, is Paul's ministry. Founded on the word of God, but open to the breath of the Holy Spirit. And in the book, Fan the Flame, I talk about some incidents that I lived through that we experienced just in meetings here where the thing went totally off of anything anyone could schedule, but totally decently and in order. But the fruit proved that it was God, the Holy Spirit, because you'll know a tree by its fruit. So that's the battle today. Mentalism versus emotionalism just cerebral fighting about five-point Calvinism or whatever, and you can believe whatever you want. Uh, those, there's time for that discussion. But, I mean, really, as as God died, there is no Holy Spirit now? I mean, you read the book of Acts, and the Spirit told Philip, join yourself to that chariot. Well, that's dismissed out of hand, and yet it has nothing to do with new doctrine. You know, the old cessationist argument is, You know, the gifts of the Spirit are not for today because we have uh, the the full canon of Scripture. Okay, I don't even want to discuss that. But he didn't give him new doctrine. He just said, join the chariot. Doesn't he do that anymore? How did he call Hudson Taylor to China? Did he just spin the map and go China? No, God led him. No, 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 no. That's experiential. We don't go. We go by the Word. You see the tension that we need to find a balance of.
0: That's, I think that's really helpful. And and it's interesting because one of the things that I remember from being a very young Christian was I wanted to be quick to listen to the Spirit. And I just, thinking back over the years, uh, I had a sabbatical last year and I was just paying attention to the spaces where I I felt the Spirit moving me. And like at weird places, like 7-Eleven, you know, driving down the road, yeah. seeing someone at 7-Eleven and just having these moments of realizing, man, I'm doing exactly what God the Holy Spirit was doing in the early church, in the apostles, in, you know, the deacons who became apostles, who weren't supposed to become apostles, like all kinds of just cool stuff. And I think there is a, there's a brilliance of recognizing the extremes, and then sensing the middle way of, let's, let's trust the Spirit. Let's also dip our toes deeper into what he has for us. So yeah, I, I think that's really, really helpful. All right so two more questions uh, and yes. and I'll try my best to keep them short but if you could go back in time and hang out with with a, a gym right as you got started you know with the $85 offering and in a, a building that you didn't even like what would you want to say to your to your early ministry self
2: Oh that's a good question it probably the first thing would be pray more spend time with God because I was type A in the sense that as a basketball player practice harder, do more and all that. So, you know, the ministry like Christianity is more about trusting than trying. And I was a trier. I was like, let's just, by the sheer dint of effort and, and labor, you know, I, we were going to produce something, something could happen, you know, converts could be made. So I needed to pray more. Uh, Spend more time with God and spend more time in the Word. I think I was shallow when it came to really getting down deep what my early insecurity was I think I told you you know people were joining other religions during my early sermons, and I fell asleep during some of them rather than just the congregation. I felt that was proper. It was a Sabbath, a day of rest, so we all could take a nap while I was speaking and and uh it was. It was reading the Bible, looking for sermons, not reading the Bible for myself. And I think that's a trap for ministers. We're leafing through the Bible like, well, what am I gonna preach this Tuesday or this Sunday? And we're reading, looking for sermons rather than saying, God, speak to me. Feed me. I I need you from me. In fact, many times when God opens passages to me, I feel I I I think like, wow, I have to pray. Is this just for me or is this something I should develop and dig deeper for the congregation? And sometimes it's not for the congregation, it's for me, just for me. I, I, You know, we we sometimes, God laid on my heart and I want to preach about, that's good, but a lot of things are just for us, not to be shared with the congregation. It wasn't meant for them. It was meant just for my weakness and my problem. So I would certainly say, you know, look, this book, Fan the Flame, is basically this. Why we're burning out and not having much success in making converts is we could be doing ministry the wrong way. Let's get back to basics, which is what I'm just talking about now to that early Jim Cimbala. Get back to basics because even Tiger Woods, when he was not playing well, when he was at his height and went to a swing coach, the first thing they say to them is show me your position, your stance when you're ready to hit the ball, and show me how you grip the club. Talk about my stance and how I grip the club. I've I've made 150 million dollars playing golf. No, we got to go back to that. Because if your basics are wrong, it doesn't matter what you pile on on top of that. It's gonna not work out well. And today there's very little stress on biblical spiritual basics. It's all uh, what Nikes are you going to wear uh, in, in the pulpit, and what's the new PowerPoint uh, angle that you're using? Which is just frivolous with the needs of people all around us. People are, are strung out on oxycontin. Fentanyl is killing people everywhere, and and we're talking about
0: PowerPoint. Lord help us. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like Lord help us. Yes. And so, Lord help me with that. With that in mind. Um. Can you leave our pastors with a prayer or a blessing or a benediction, just those who are listening today?
2: I'd like to end with a prayer, but I'd like to say to the pastors, listen, with God, the best is always yet to come. Hmm. I don't care how good it's been for you or me in the past or how it's been a struggle. He always says the best wine for last. That's what he did in Cana of Galilee at that wedding. If we just do what he says, listen to him, as Mary told the servants, just do whatever he tells you to do. If we just get back to inviting Jesus into our churches in a new way and our ministries, you remember what happened? The, the, uh, the head of the, of the banquet said, wow, most people bring out the best wine first and then the cheaper wine later but you've saved the best for last. And that's my prayer for me, my hope for you, Pastor, no matter what happened in the past. Today's the first day of the rest of our lives. And the Lord doesn't go from glory to less glory, from grace to less grace. No, from grace to more grace. Father, I thank you for calling us into the ministry. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. I feel so unlikely, so ill-equipped. But Lord, it's about you. It's not about Jim Symbol or, or our human abilities. It's not by might, nor by power, nor by brain waves and thinking, but it's by your spirit. That's what you said. So come in a new way and breathe on our ministries, our sermons, our preaching, our counseling, our planning, our congregations, our Sunday services. And God, this Sunday, starting with me, Help me to preach better than I've ever preached in my life, for with you all things are possible. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Monday Morning Pastor podcast today. Could you do us two favors? Number one, would you leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods? If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you could help us to spread the word. And number two, would you share this episode with two other pastors or leaders who you think would benefit from MMP? We would be deeply grateful if you could help us. Thanks in advance, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.